Hi folks, welcome to Deceptively Clever. I'm Justin and this is a bit of an odd episode. I was not at home when I recorded this and as such there's a pretty terrible echo on my side of the recording. John, as usual, was flawless. Uh, however, if audio quality matters to you, maybe give this one a miss. If you can tolerate it though, I think it's a pretty good episode. Uh, John brought us a good object with some excellent statements to explore. So, see how you go. Hope you like it. Check in next week for hopefully a, an improved audio experience. And generally, have a good day. I like whenever I talk to people about it and, I don't know, they're suggesting objects or they're talking about it. They, they take a far more strict definition of objects than we ever have. Basically, the only rule we've come up with so far is that it cannot be a living human or the idea of a dead human. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure a human body would be fine. So we, we, well, we haven't really allowed anything to stop us with our creativity. We have done a human body, though, because we did Jeremy Bentham, didn't we? Yes. I mean, you didn't necessarily say you were okay with it, but I, <laughs> I did one, definitely. In fact, that's how I got the idea. We were like, no people, and I'm like, hmm, let me see about that. No alive people, sure. Oh, you just had a Thanksgiving. Yes, I had a Thanksgiving. Cooked a roast dinner for the this first time. This is the unofficial... What? You never cooked a roast dinner? No, not myself, no. Wow. That's quite impressive. Well, not not like... I've never, I've never done the main meat part. I've probably cooked a roast oh, dinner. So you've, I probably just haven't like, but like a roast. You've done, I roasted a chicken. You've done roasting, but not on the like, not a. You haven't done the slaughtered dead animal part before. Um, <laughs> that's 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 good. That's that's something I always find. To be honest with you, cooking roast dinners are just not worth the trouble. There's too much that goes into it, and then at the end of the day, it's just food that you eat. I'm not here for this start at 10 in the morning cooking to have a meal later on. That's a waste of a day for me. <laughs> How did you I, find I, it when you had the full responsibility? Oh, it's all right. You just prepare everything in and then everything just goes in the right time. It's actually very satisfying because you you have all your components ready and it's just about going like, this goes in the oven now, this goes in the oven now, this goes in the oven now, and then everything's finished at the right time. It's perfect. It's very satisfying. And there wasn't that much prep. Well... I mean, you say there wasn't that much prep. If things are going in the oven at the right time, it's because you prepped them. It's true, but, but it's like it's like yeah. peeling a potato. You don't. It doesn't take that much time, does it, to peel a potato? And you know what else are we doing with our time, really? Like, if I'm sitting here, like, oh, that's a waste of a whole day. What else would I have done? We're also still in sort of lockdown, so I've even got yeah, I've even got less to fine. do. So may as well cook a roast dinner. Were you in the the house situation with the extra person people or was it just the two of you oh no there was there's there's three of us we uh okay, so there was an extra it was an extra worthwhile well we had to do it with the american because it was thanksgiving so i don't think it would have been happening without i'm guessing it wouldn't have been happening without the american <laughs> yeah probably not <laughs> unless scotland's all of a sudden decided it cares about <laughs> weird and seemingly irrelevant u.s holidays hello everyone in america <laughs> and canada we don't do thanksgiving here no, whenever I've done it, it's always been with a, with a Canadian or an American. 
Different days as well, just American and Canadian. Different days. I like the Canadian one better because it's further away from Christmas. I think there are already too many obligations within this <laughs> calendar month. Well, not calendar month, within this uh, 31-day stretch. And I don't think we need to be adding any other ones. When no, I listen to Americans, they're like, I've got to go home for Thanksgiving. And then they, the next, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, they're like, I've got to go home for Christmas. What are you doing? This is a lot. I know, yeah. And then you've Just got like little... Just catch up once. You've got little extra sprinkled ones in like uh, Halloween and in bonfire night in this country. And then uh, you've got uh, oh, New, New Year's Day as well. So. It's like... That's a, this is a matter for another day because we don't have time today. But I'm still not really comfortable with the... Uh, Guy Fawkes situation in England. Why not? I don't think it's a very healthy... I think it's uh, built upon the remnants of something that was unhealthy. Firstly, celebrating the burning of a person. And now I think the significance of it is just kind of left behind because people like big fires and fireworks. I, he's kind of not a hero now, but there's a certain level of uh, respect, if not celebration, for the attempt... Or the motives. I think he, prob- I think he probably is. He is a hero to quite a lot of people if you base it off of like anonymous stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to say on, beef a, of on, a, on a thing that goes on the internet that blowing up the UK Parliament would have been a good thing because that would not have been a good thing. <laughs> uh, but change was needed. Change was needed. Change happened. I'm trying to think how we've but, got from uh, Thanksgiving to changes needed in Guy Fawkes and all this stuff. Well, this is all of these things in the same month. They, they get talked about together because they're all too close to each other. Let's get on with it. Right. Do you want me to tell you what my object is? Uh, yes. So I've just been to a exhibition today, again, based on exhibition, all oh, yeah. about a famous filmmaker called Ray Harryhausen, so I thought, I'll do a film one. Ray, Ray Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen. Have you seen the... Oh, you haven't seen Jason and the Argonauts, have you? We spoke about this. He basically made lots of stop-motion no. animation. It's all brilliant. Fantastic exhibition. Right. But also, okay. I started thinking about film. And I love film, and I love the history of film. I think it's fascinating, especially as, like, as my flatmate whistles past my door. Um... I was going to say, that, that flatmate's going to get a talking to. <laughs> I know, did you hear that? It's because I think my door's If he wants to sleep it. inside tonight, he can cut that whistling right out. What I'll do is I'll just shut my door properly. Hang on. <laughs> Honestly, no respect for the podcast. That should be better. So, I'll return to that point. Uh, so, got me thinking about film and the history of film, which I find... Very interesting, because I like a lot of films, and well, I just think it's fascinating as a cultural thing. Um, so if your search engine is ready, I want you to search yes. for a kinetoscope, which is spelt... Kinetoscope. It's spelt K-I-N-E-T-O-S-C-O-P-E, kinetoscope. Ah, oh, I had an I. Kinetoscope. It comes from... The Greek roots for kineto movement and skopos to view. So there you go. That's how uh, that works. Okay. It looks like it's a box that you look in the top and it has some, I would say, I'm guessing strips of film that run through a 
kind of run up and down in a zigzag pattern. Is this on the right track, John? It's exactly right. So it's basically exactly what you described. It's a box, and inside this box is film that is run horizontally so that you can get a lot of film, and it's like looping all over so that you can get a lot of film in this small box. And the idea is that... a good way to describe it, yep. Yeah, it's on the little sort of spools on the top. So you can look in the top and then this film will pass just underneath your eyes and it's lit up by a, a lamp inside the box and this film will pass through quickly so that what it looks like is these images moving very quickly and then there's um, the little peephole sort of acts like a shutter and it it will... It will, it's basically a very, very, very basic way of viewing a film. The same sort of similar way in which you'll use a... What are they called? I want to say zoetrope, but I don't think that's what it is, is it? Okay, look at it. What's happening now? Zoetrope. Yeah, yeah I would say probably just go and look at a picture of this because as soon as you see it, it makes a lot more sense than so a the concept. Um, there's two things I can see. One guy just looking into it, and then there's a kid that needs to stand on a stool to be able to look into it. I don't know what I'm talking about with the zoetrope uh but yeah so it's basically the very basic idea that all these images moving very quickly will make it look like these things are animated so this was i see i'm going to be very brief about the sort of history of it because it's it's quite vast and um all this sort of technical sort of it's basically a period where lots of people around the world are inventing similar things in which to view films and it's sort of the technical technological advances that are bringing films uh, to sort of everybody, and you've got people in France who are doing similar things in America and all over Europe. But this is Thomas Edison's invention. I say Thomas Edison quite loosely because it came from his um, like workshop in Edison Manufacturing uh, Company. I think by the sounds of it, he was probably there for key decisions, but wasn't necessarily the main person behind this invention, the kinetoscope, by the sounds of it, it's William Dixon. So this is Thomas Edison and William Dixon, and they invented this kinetoscope as a way of viewing films, um, which would then work in tandem with their uh, kinetograph, I think it is, which is the thing that shoots the film, takes the pictures nice and quickly, so you've got these videos to then put in the kinetoscope, and then you've got, you can view it as like a little personal cinema so that's how it's all working i'm not going to get into so this was at a time where we had we had film projection in theaters but we didn't have very many other ways to see moving picture is that accurate i would say uh, it's sort of in tandem with um films in cinemas i'm not sh- sure entirely that it's sort of straight after um but i think it's all happening in the uh, um, end of the 19th century. All of these things are sort of all happening, by the sounds of it, at once. Because um, I'm not sure okay. I'm not sure whether you no. were able to go see a film at a cinema at this time. Yeah, I that know feels that you a little bit go, early. Yeah, I know that you could go see these. I know, because it's the Lumiere brothers, are like, I think, probably the first people who um, had films in cinemas, but... That's a, that's a different object, different tangent. So this is a very individual thing where it's, it is kinetoscope 
viewing and you would have this so this was invented in 1892 um and it was a and then you would have the first kinetoscope parlor which is where you would go to view these things opened in new york in 1894 and how these kinetoscope parlors would work is that there would be 10 films in this sort of shop front basically and they'd be on two columns so there'd be five on one side five on the other and you could go pay 25 cents to view all of them on one side or half a dollar to see all 10 shows. And you would just go and... You no discount just... for seeing the whole thing. Just, yeah. just double. Yeah, I know exactly. That's and bad just Go up, put your eyes on them, view these little short films. And they're not long at all. They're very short because they were very much limited by the amount of film you could fit in these boxes. I mean, I think the longest... That there just was like a matter of minutes, maybe probably even shorter, matter of seconds. I mean, some of the films you could see was like people sneezing, and that was one of the films I watched. Or there was three blacksmiths hammering a a metal bar. They're very basic films. They're not. If they were telling a story, it was very short, <laughs> and a lot of it was left to your imagination, but. They basically invented TikTok 130 years early, <laughs> and we've gone we've gone full circle to a point we can only handle 15 second things again. I think if there was someone like flossing it. on one of these videos, it would have died a death. <laughs> I mean, people have been so amazed that something was moving. Yeah, <laughs> you probably could have got away with the level of creativity that the average TikToker demonstrates. <laughs> you wouldn't. You would. You would struggle to have the uh, music as well. So. Or lip syncing. There'd be no films to lip sync. <laughs> Imagine if you you paid your half a dollar and you watched the first one, and then the next nine were just someone else watching the first person do the dance. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like, a second. reacting to the blacksmiths. <laughs> yeah, this is the problem. If, if you had to pay for TikTok, people would all of a sudden realise, hang on a second, I've just spent two <laughs> hours watching the exact same thing. <laughs> so what I'm going to... Uh, my statements and what I'm going to talk about isn't the kinetoscope per se, but it's kinetoscope films. So I'm going to talk about three three films, and they're all controversial for different reasons and sort of have caused, um, I'd say, maybe negative reactions. John, this is a family podcast. I hope you're aware. It is a family podcast, and it's all going to be dealt with very politely. <laughs> I, I, I promise. <laughs> All of a sudden, I do not feel reassured. <laughs> um, okay, good. But it is all like 19th century. It's it's very much going to be based on 19th century morals and ideals. So I think we've all grown up a bit. And <laughs> I think the Victorians that... might have been the most prudish <laughs> of, all of, the, um, of all of the eras. So, okay. So... Um, I realised I haven't actually written them as statements, but it's just the film title, so I'll have to... Uh... Oh, excellent. Yep. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the show notes, we quite often, or at least most recently, do not have yours written out, because I don't have them written out. Yes, I know, I've noticed that. Because every time I go to write them down, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, you realise I, I haven't done your job for you, because I got to the end <laughs> of my editing, and I was like... Oh, I haven't got these. I'll add them in later. So what I'll Famous do is I'll... <laughs> yeah. 
So what I'll do is I'll tell you the title of the film and then mm-hmm. who it's offended or what it is or why it is controversial. So are you ready for these? Okay, good. Yep. So 1901 film called The Vitruvian Man offended people with its accurate likeness of the painting. Film number two, Carmen Sita, an 1894 film that offended a state senator. Yep. And then statement two, electrocuting, uh, statement three, sorry, electrocuting an elephant, 1903, a film that showed the death of a circus elephant. I'm glad I didn't mention this before because I reckon number three was Thomas Edison, horrible person, still haven't forgiven him. See, statement... I've actually got no affection to say about him any, in any case. If it's not him, I mean, I don't know how you've made... I guess you've made that up if he did not stick it in his kinetoscope. Thomas Edison was just, a, like, hist- one of history's villains, and... He is a genuine bona fide villain, yep. People still worship him, and I'm like, he didn't even invent half the stuff that people think he invented. Oh, yeah. Was he a good entrepreneur? Yes. Did he actively try to hold back technology for his own profit? Absolutely. Well, part of this is he was he had a monopoly on on film effectively when it first came about and yep. was just like he was terrible. <laughs> and uh he was terrible. He, he would yep. make he made so much money off it and crushed so many other rivals and all this stuff that it's just it's a, quite a sad history. Uh, I, people were also in now in a phase where Nikola Tesla is idolised and having a prominent company named after him helps. But if you look at the two, both deeply flawed individuals, I mean, which one was worse? Pretty easy to go with Edison, I think. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so all of these films have caused offence to people or a group of people in certain ways and we'll, we'll get into that but is there anyone that you'd like to start with just to finish number three who was offended by the electrocution of the elephant in your statement um i would actually say that people who didn't want to watch a large beautiful animal get murdered perhaps i would actually say that it is more a um it's more shock from a more contemporary audience from a more uh, from a more modern audience than anything really and we'll get we'll get into that so you could say that we have reflected okay reflected poorly on it i would hope so oh we might as well work down so is the vitruvian man a painting that exists so the vitruvian man if i mean if you've got your search engine ready also search the vitruvian man because that is um a da vinci drawing oh yeah gotcha Ah, that would yeah. make it so, quite a nice um, animation. <laughs> so the Vitruvian Man is a very famous um, Da Vinci artwork in which it shows a um, it's effectively the anatomy of a man. It's a naked man, and the you you can see that he has his arms to his side. Oh, well, stretched out, sort of straight, and then slightly above. Same with his legs. Um, I didn't know that that had uh, a name. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, like it, it the, the guy that it's it's so beyond the concept of a drawing. It just is the Vitruvian man. It shows the ideal human body proportions, apparently, based on just my little search. Then, so 
it wasn't this wasn't a standalone um film so like a lot of these little kinetoscope shorts they are part of a series of shorts so they'll they'll usually film things with a with a certain theme so this one was to replicate replicate famous paintings or artwork and add a little bit of motion to them so they did this wasn't the only one they did they did um the mona lisa they did um is it the thinker or yeah the thinker um they did one called wanderer above the sea fog um and sort of various famous artwork and they would do it in a way that they had some sort of movement so with the example of wonder of a sea fog wonder above the sea fog which is a painting of a man stood on a rock in front of the sea they filmed it with a man stood on a rock in front of the sea so you can see the sea moving rather than just this painting um with the mona lisa the video is very i mean i don't really understand the point of the mona lisa one because she just sort of like sits there in sort of a replica of the painting and smiles a bit and it's like okay um with this one with the vitruvian mans you can watch the film you can find all of these films online because they're so short and old that they're just like free to sort of uh view he's just stood with his arms stretched out and he raises them above him <laughs> to the to the second point of the picture same with his feet so it's not particularly um thrilling but um a quote by william dixon who was the guy filming it who also invented the kinetoscope said that they hoped to bring a lifelike quality to pieces of history so that was a quote i really like that because that is probably one of the most imagined movements that is the whole point of one of the most famous pictures that we have uh yeah nice work who's offended it does sort of like defeat the object of some of the artwork though, because if the artwork is to like present motion through the paintings and stuff, it kind of defeats the object a little bit. But that's yeah, but he, it's not like Leonardo did a fantastic job at this. He literally just drew some extra arms and legs. I was like, I mean, this is I where mean, they can go. It's the one. That, it's the one with the sea that confuses me because I'm like, this, just do you have to watch the sea wash and you can see it in the painting? But hey, that's my. <laughs> I'm criticizing uh, like. <laughs> a 1901 series of films like it's irrelevant <laughs> um so it offended quite a lot of people actually so it was displayed in the martin and shaw kinetoscope parlor in new york um and people were really offended that it showed a naked man even though it is the vitruvian man which is very sort of famous um, oh right nudity so that was the point that they got annoyed at um, and I think a lot of people were confused that someone agreed to do it, which was quite interesting. Um, and the Brooklyn Daily Eagle reported that it caused outrage and fury and a number of people demanding their 25 cents back, which I thought was fair enough. <laughs> no, you've already seen the penis. You can't have your money back. <laughs> and you saw four others as well. So no, not at all. So uh, this this... The Vitruvian Man one was removed um, and it wasn't give, shown to any other kinetoscope parlours, but the rest of the collection stayed. Um, I think it was 
20 down to 19 that was sort of showed at various stages um so they stayed but they weren't particularly successful they weren't like compared to other ones they weren't particularly popular um but I feel like they're the ones that would do well now. I don't know what else they made, but this 100% could be an installation at a modern art gallery. Well, it reminds me of those things that people... I think, like, it's... I've seen it in, like, American sitcoms where people, like... It'll be a showing of art, but it'll be, like, people as the artwork. So the... Oh, that's like a terrible. That's a terrible explanation. But they'll have like a big frame, and it'll be people acting out what's going on in the painting. If that makes any sense. Yep. Yep. There's there must be a word for it that I'm just like completely missing. Oh sure. I mean, we didn't. We never. This was an art podcast for good reason. <laughs> we'll get yeah. we'll, Hannah can phone in, or Hannah can text him. <laughs> she was actually the inspiration for this episode as well. Uh, because oh. uh, one of the statements corresponds to what she uh, talks about on the um, Instagram. Oh, okay. Yep. If you remember what those what those comments were, no. You check your notes. Check your notes to go back to. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I like this one. Uh, I mean, it feels feels true. Naturally. That's the whole point. <laughs> one ear, it feels true. It's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. You've done a bad job if none of them feel true. <laughs> well, actually, I probably have done a good job if none of them feel true, because then you'd be just as confused. Well, I love your, and most of the time, my capacity to completely ignore the whole point of a podcast and just want to win. <laughs> yeah, I will win. Well, that's a feedback where it's like, oh, it's nice that you don't take the game too seriously, and you're obviously good friends. But no, no, we're just here for points. <laughs> So with that, do you want okay. to do the second Number one? Number two, what was the, which state? I'm going to base this only on the state that, uh, yeah, it is. It's New Jersey. Oh, tough one. So is it true or false? <laughs> I think it's false. Um, what <laughs> was the nature of the film? So Carmen Cita was a Spanish dancer. Um, and in the film, she is just dancing. That is it. Oh, yeah. As one does in Spain. What was the nature of the offence? So, um, she, as she dances, she is spinning and her dress kicks up. And towards the end of the film, she does a little kick with one of her feet. And her dress uh, lifts slightly and you can see the white lace underneath her dress. Oh, You can alluring. also see... You can also see her ankle. Oh dear. Oh. Children, close your ears. <laughs> we'll have to put like a little, uh, a little explicit sign next to this podcast, <laughs> next to this episode. I was going to say we can't because that would be bad for outreach. I don't think that would make <laughs> any difference, actually. If anything, it might even improve it. <laughs> um, and then I can swear. Okay. I think that one's pretty straightforward. Problem is, that sounds very true. And now I'm wondering if you just you just knew about the elephant getting electrocuted and you were like, I'm going to make that a one of them. I still get the feeling Edison was so impressed with his own ability to murder an animal that he couldn't help but stick it in a moving picture box. 
pray tell how the story goes of this being an animated short. John. So do you want to move on to the next statement straight away? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got everything I need. Statement two. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So there is, this is actually, there's quite a lot to this one. So would you like me to just go from the start? Yeah, just go for it. Go for it. So we have an elephant called Topsy the Elephant. And mm-hmm. um, she was taken from uh, her home, which I believe, once I've Googled it, because I've forgotten. Um, so she was born in Southeast Asia, so in 1875. And then she was taken from her home and brought to the US secretly um, for a circus, which at the time, I think it's four four. I don't know how to say it. Four four pal circus. I don't know. Big circus that's a rival to the P.T. Barnum circus. So P.T. Barnum is the one who is in the Greatest Showman, and he's the really. Again, we're talking about terrible people here because they're putting on circuses that are just like full of animal cruelty and cruelty to just minorities and all this sort of stuff. As evidenced by the. As an aside, is that film any good? Because I haven't watched it yet, and I can never decide whether to invest the time. I haven't seen it. I know that people love it. Oh. Okay, sorry. I have Carry I have on. had a few of the songs to commit though, which is quite impressive. Um, but basically, we understand that these pla- these places <laughs> would never ever open nowadays because they are just terrible. Mostly because well, I'm just sad about the circuses that are open now, and they're a world away from these ones. That's true. I mean, there we go. Yeah. There's my hot take for the day: ban all circuses, <laughs> especially if they're in the 1900s. Yeah, yeah, ban those. Yeah, ban those ones. So, um, they eventually sold Topsy the elephant this circus because um, she was too dangerous. She killed a, a, a spectator at the circus, and um, and I think when Good. they were when they were selling her, she like attacked another man who was like actively antagonizing the elephant. So sort of deemed to be violent but in re- I mean again she was taken oh, unfortunately she didn't kill him probably. too <laughs> no she didn't know I think it was tickling him and she like picked him up and threw him away but she was sold to an attraction on Coney Island um, which is in New Jersey and then they decided that I think they decided when he, she attacked someone else that they were like we basically just need to kill this elephant because that's too dangerous. But then what they also did was they would run all these like news headlines and things that said, we are going to kill this elephant, which then just got their um, attraction like into the newspaper. And so it was basically free advertising. Oh, well, it was basically advertising for this thing because they said, we're going to kill this elephant. And they came up, they like were trying to think, how can we possibly get rid of it and all this stuff? And they decided that they were going to, strangle the elephant to death this is where the american society for the prevention of cruelty to animals came in and said no you can't hang the animal that's too cruel but they just did it anyway and they they believed that the best way to do it was to hang poison and electrocute the elephant so they would tie big ropes around its neck they fed it with 460 grams of potassium cyanide and then they decided they were also going to electrocute the elephant and they allowed people to pay a small fare, which I think was 25 cents again, to come and view it. 
and they sold out and then there was still people climbing the walls of this uh venue. it's called luna park this is the, the venue and they were still people climbing the walls to like see make sure they could see this but it attracted big crowds and it attracted lots of press including the edison manufacturing company keen to film it for a kinetoscope film so all just terrible <laughs> John, you have a capacity to choose things and write statements that I am almost entirely unable to tolerate, and and I can't wait to try and edit this one. I've only just almost recovered from Laker, the <laughs> Russian space dog, but this is just horrible. People were not good. No, people, people weren't good. People are not good. People weren't good to animals at all, um, and it's... It is very, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Um, but basically, they brought this elephant and they put it on this big sort of metal plate and electrocuted it. And then they filmed it. And they filmed it and you can, wouldn't advise it, but you can, the, the film is available online and all this stuff. And it's, um, well, it's, I, I'm not going to watch it, <laughs> but I can imagine that it's very, very sad. Um, I've seen it. I actively do not, actively do not encourage. Have you seen it? Yeah. Wow. Um, well, then you so know this one's. You've true. left out. Well, you've left out the way it's presented. It's discussed kind of at length in a documentary about Thomas Edison. But it's. I mean, unless this is a different incidence of killing an animal, but it was spoken of a lot as Edison using it to demonstrate the effectiveness of direct current i think yeah it was very which was his proposed uh, electricity delivery method it was it, it definitely served two purposes where it was a great way to show a film and great way to show how powerful your electricity is it also shows how evil thomas edison is and what is even was worse was this at a time when we'd Rob? sorry was this at a time when we'd started murdering convicted people with electricity in a chair I don't know. I think maybe this was like a way to sort of push that argument that it was probably... I don't know, actually. I don't know when that first was introduced. It's interesting that the Society for the Prevention of the Cruelty to Animals recommended this. No, I I, I don't think... I think they just... By the sounds of it, they weren't particularly... I don't know. It seemed like they were on hand but weren't didn't particularly do anything because they still went about and put ropes around the elephant's neck and things and they were just there to make sure that it it, it died I think <laughs> yeah and I mean the amount of animals that people were killing then to for I mean very many reasons it's not like if you look at it logically killing another element what's the big deal really good god this isn't the most fun history of well, well, I think that it, it it does serve a purpose to show that's a pretty poignant moment yeah, it's it's definitely um, shows a disparity between what you would do for a film back then <laughs> and what you would do now, <laughs> and uh, yeah. it also shows. The I'm not sure. Like if you were going to do it, evil. I'm not sure that filming it was the, filming it wasn't a problem here. So what is also interesting about the film is that it wasn't particularly. It it just didn't really have much sort of contemporary success. Context. Um, <laughs> okay. They. Uh, <laughs> They um because they filmed it for Luna Park, but Luna Park didn't have a kinetoscope, so they 
couldn't show it there. And then it just sort of like was very, just sort of disappeared into obscurity. But the fact is that they preserved it at the Library of Congress as you can film it as a film. You, you can preserve these films as just a series of photos. So they have this film. And then it only really came back, I think, in the 1970s when it sort of appeared in a film with no context. And then there was a documentary on Coney Island in 1991 that brought this back. And I think they've also now like commemorated Topsy at Coney Island and things with a statue. Um, So it was only really in a more modern sort of narrative that we understand that this was a very terrible thing. Because, I mean, it attracted big crowds back then. Um, and I've said, I, the reason this was suggested to me, because this is what ha- Hannah suggested we look at Topsy uh, the Elephant, is because it's in an episode of, um, it's in an episode of Bob's Burgers <laughs> where they show how evil Thomas Edison was. <laughs> but um, Okay, good. I think it's only really gained sort of this sort of infamous notoriety in the past sort of few years. It wasn't really regarded as a terrible thing. I guess, yeah, we wouldn't have... It wouldn't really be spoken about now if we didn't have the film. Exactly, yeah, but it it, it just sort of seems a bit weird that it, it didn't... Even when they filmed it, sort of, to be quite a poignant thing, it just sort of disappeared. I think no one really wants to... There's, I think the, the main problem is the, re- the reason they sold so many tickets and people would have watched it. Someone says, we're going to electrocute an elephant. Your brain's like, hmm, what would that look like? <laughs> like it's, it sounds like a spectacle. It sounds like a spectacle I would like to actively avoid. But I, I can see the curiosity there. On the other hand, I think you've got to have so much cognitive dissonance going on in your head to be able to look at animals in cages and being treated poorly so that they're in a circus you have to kind of just accept things like this but you can you can show this but you can't show a a naked man so uh <laughs> no penises <laughs> no penises please but uh if there's an elephant about <laughs> oh, i just i mean i'm so glad this didn't become a series what else would they have got the idea of doing yeah, this was very much just, just a... taking uh, your kid and you're like, this is the side of the room where we're going to display some animal torture. So you... <laughs> let's start down there with the... Do you want to pay 25 uh, cents to see the ones on this side or half a dollar to see uh, all of the animal torture? I can't take... Uh, oh, I, can't, I can't do it. It's too early in the morning. <laughs> see, it's quite late in the evening for me, so <laughs> I'm raring to go. I'm glad I put angry the dog about outside for this one. I'm like, sorry, dog. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to just chill outside for a minute because I know you're gonna be too interested in this podcast to leave me alone. I'm glad I put the dog outside now because he does not need to listen to about about this. He'd be traumatized. Can we can we make Thomas Edison the official uh, podcast enemy, <laughs> supervillain? I think yeah, that I like to make my enemies alive so that I can really, you know, there's actually a point to the. Uh, battle but i think thomas edison historically must be enemy number one i don't know you have you say that and it's like hmm, hitler was pretty bad too <laughs> yeah but we're not going to do an episode on hitler we might we might do 
Well, then, then we can talk Actually, about him as, a, as our enemy. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. As of now, well, I, I don't mind this as a series. As of now, Edison, enemy number one. Let's see if we can knock him off his pedestal. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, enemy number one, Edison. I think the problem TV, with enemy TV number TV one is going <laughs> to... The only trajectory of enemy number one series is there's going to be a lot of death of people discussed. Oh, oh, there's no oh. like if you start talking about bad people, you end up at genocides. Right now, now, now you're making it less fun. Well, it's going to be very hard to it's going to be very hard to brighten it up. Maybe we can pick on <laughs> we could go away from death and torture of animals, and we can just pick on people who just destroyed things that we liked. That's true. Um... I can't think. <laughs> no, we'll have to do some research on it. Okay. Yeah, okay, we'll this has turned, turned into quite a long one. I just don't uh, well, really... I think, I, think, I think we can cut the sad, uh, depressing elephant bit down, probably. <laughs> I, I, I like a couple of things. I like how you say we. Um, you can. Maybe yeah, cut I, out I the uh, genocide bit. <laughs> no, I think that's relevant. I think about changing the show music... To something better. What do you think about that? Oh, bold, because we're 16 in now. That's what I mean. If we don't change it now, people well, won't be used to us by the 100th episode. Depends how much better it is. I quite like the one we've got at the moment. Do, 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 it do, it do, works do. well. Like, it's do, a good do, amount of... Do, it's a good do, length do, 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 to do. use it. It does the middle bits very hard to cut in the gap and then restart it later because it makes a noise and I have to fade it in and out every time. We could just record you doing it. Yeah, sure. I don't even think that's what it is, but I'm not going to try myself. Yeah, I don't have it on this computer. Look, I would like... The one I hope is the lie. Nah, I hope the truth in there is true, because that sounds cool. But also, I think that would be the most impressive lie you came up with. My problem with the elephant is I'm worried now that I've said I've seen it as if it definitely does exist. It could be a symptom of my own psychosis that I've just imagined this whole Topsy situation. I don't think that's true. You have an extra detail saying Hannah suggested it. I think you would argue the lie is they never put it in the... They never put it in the... Whatever the object's called. I mean... Metascope. I don't think I've particularly... um, I have made no effort to sort of dress statement three as a lie. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're unlucky in that it was a thing that I was viscerally uncomfortable with already, which would, that would make it the easiest lie ever to convince someone of if they already think it's true before you've even started uh, your sentence. And it's a perfect example of, well, it just lets me talk about how evil Edison is, but... Uh... Yeah, I'm glad we both came in. I like... It wasn't even. I don't even care if you wanted to try and justify Edison. We both came into this basically just to say Thomas Edison, terrible person. <laughs> what if there's like an Edison podcast that we're just like really offending? I'll fight them, but the problem is they're probably better and probably have a bigger audience. Yeah, well, that makes us the. But I'll still fight. You always got to support the underdog. I'll still fight them. That's true. Maybe this is our. Hmm. What if our only opportunity to become a, a relevant podcast? It's podcast. Jump on the bandwagon of Topsy being murdered, create public outcry. But then we feel like we've profited. Right, so come on. Have you got a, a have you got a statement that you think is a lie? I think number two is a lie.
but I mean, it could. I, I don't think it's a lie. It's just the one I have to pick. So you're choosing statement two, which is Carmen Sita. So Vitruvian Man statement. is true. Carmen Sita is a lie, and electrocuting an elephant is true. I hope you've made up Vitruvian Man because that would be a good job, and I'd be thumbs up two times to John. I also kind of hope it exists. I would like to go and look at it. The series sounds quite good. Uh, I have to leave Topsy as true, but it just feels like that all happened to me. Um, so, yeah, statement two. Score was 4-3 coming in. I'm guessing you're going to... I like that last week you just like, score stays at 4-3. <laughs> statement two is true. Oh. Sorry, mate. Got that wrong. Vitruvian man is a, a lie. one then. Good job, John. And do you know what? I think you shot yourself in the foot a little bit there because I have so much on statement two that I just didn't get to say because you were just like, yep, yeah, right, that's fine. Yeah. Here's what, I, here's what I did at the end of statement one. I looked at the time of the recording and it was already past half an hour and there was absolutely nothing that needed to be cut out because the start was very short. And I'm like, I cannot have, I cannot be editing all of this uh, ridiculously Sta- polluted audio. I'm like, we need to wrap this up real quick. So I'm like, we're Sta- going to breathe through statement two. Statement two is where the comedy was going to come from, though. To oh, lighten up this very dark podcast. You shouldn't have done it as the second one. You should have done the light one at the third one. That's true. Putting a murdered animal last was always going to be problematic there. I mean, you got a point out of it. I'd be pretty... Well, you didn't get a point. You stopped. <laughs> I stopped the point. I defended. Point out of it. We can I only defend... Uh, defend. That sounds so much better because then people are like, how on earth does a scoring work? I'm like, well, you can't, you can't get one when you are giving the object. You can only lose one. So it's defending. You defended your point well. I did. I will just say um, my little uh, little side fact for statement two. Carmen Cita, the uh, Spanish dancer, uh, they believe that she is the first woman on camera um, for a film of commercial use. So there you go. It's a good little side fact. That's a nice tie. Yeah, nice. Yeah, good job. And it offended a state senator. That, I mean, I'm sure it offended multiple state senators. It would offend a state senator now in some way. I'm actually now looking at this this statement and I've realised that it also involves some animal cruelty because um, this Methodist guy was like, replace that film of the lady's ankle and her um, lace. And they replaced it with a um, some boxing cats who had boxing gloves on their oh hands. Oh my god! Why? <laughs> why? So uh, there you go. It all comes full circle. How did you come up with the Truvian Man? I have recently watched the Da Vinci Code. Um, <laughs> which is which what? is the the perfect mix of completely ludicrous and just a great film. I honestly, as a, I mean, I don't, atheist doesn't, isn't really the right term to use. As a person who thinks all of Christianity is just a way for men to control the world and an, an excellent program for a time where religion was politics. I kind of like to think of that all as mostly true, the things that happened in that film. Oh, it's brilliant, yeah, because you get... I, 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 you just get so sucked in here, like, Googling. I was, like, Googling the entire time I was watching it, because I'm like, is that true? Is that true? And then you're like, oh, whoa. 
brilliant. Yeah, and he then basically you... took the world's most famous fictional story and added a modern mystery into it. And then you go on Wikipedia and it just has like a massive list of who it offended. Um, and I also watched um, the third one in the series, uh, Inferno. Um, oh, yeah. Another brilliant uh, action thriller drama. Um, but definitely the wrong time to watch it because it's about a guy who's trying to um, release a virus that will kill half the world. And I was like, oh, that is a bit too close to home at the moment. Well, there's been a lot of foreshadowing for our little our little uh, pandemic situation. I'm now surprised we haven't had one sooner in our lifetime. So I, know. So I respect all the fictional... Uh, yeah, the, the fictional foreshadowing. I, I, I like it. I think they were doing important work and we should have been thinking about it more. Should we stop recording? Boop, 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 boop.